The Clean Collective, empowering community through sustainability. No action is too small. The Clean Collective offers thanks and respect to the Cadigal people, traditional owners of the land upon which the following conversation was recorded. And here we go, off and running. Are you running? I'm not running. I'm sitting down right now. Actually, maybe you're running. I don't know exactly what it is you're doing while you listen to this. Episode number three of The Ripple Effect. Today's conversation is with Nat Isaacs, CEO and founder of charity One Million Women. One Million Women are doing amazing things, not just for climate change, but for female empowerment. And those two things marry up quite nicely together as far as the empowerment that you can feel by taking control of your footprint. Nobody knows that better than Nat Isaacs, such that she wrote a book about it. And that's a book that's written for everyone. And I'll tell you why, because the title is Every Woman's Guide to Saving the Planet, but I got a lot out of it. And I'm a bloke, so I would encourage any other men to recognize that the word man exists in the word woman, and that Nat Isaac's book called Every Woman's Guide to Saving the Planet is essentially an almanac for anybody. It doesn't really matter how far down the road you are of evaluating your impact or your footprint. It doesn't matter if you're someone turning over your first stones in, oh, I wonder what that's made of, or oh, I eat quite a lot of that, or whatever it is. Or you're decades into you know, a seasoned anti-plastic vegan campaign of being a sustainable eco ninja. You're going to get something out of this book regardless. I really enjoyed it. And so much so that by the time I actually met Nat Isaacs to sit down and chat with her, I was fangirling really hard. I don't mind admitting that. I was sort of like, I was giggling. I was trying to keep it cool and calm and collected. I mean, come on, I'm trying to be professional here. But on the inside, I was kind of losing it. I was like, oh my God, Nat Isaacs is actually in the room. And so hopefully that doesn't color. Uh, I wish I sort of hadn't said that now because hopefully that doesn't color your interpretation of the following conversation because it is very informative. It is political. It's passionate. And it was charged with positive energy, even though during it, I felt like basically one of those crying teenage girls at a Justin Bieber concert. But you're going to get something out of it. I hope you like it. Nat Isaacs, One Million Women. Enjoy. You know, ruin our business or is Burberry still? Oh, no, but Burberry actually changed their process. Oh, they cool. Just, yeah. Because we, and it wasn't, it definitely wasn't, is this, are you doing the podcast now? I mean, we're rec- I just hit record and we oh, just start talking. Right. It's, oh, I know, yeah. I said it's not structured and I really meant it. It's oh, not structured. so just tell me if this is because... Um, oh, I mean, we can, I can edit out anything. Oh, no, it's fine. Yeah. That's fine. It's just so I know. But um, um, yeah, so we did a, a petition to, and a le- we did this open letter to send to Burberry about so many other things you could do but burn your clothes yeah. you know you can you can upcycle it you can donate it donate it you can use it you can use the material for something else mm-hmm. blankets and you know curtains or and um anyway we um but there was a lot of outrage so they they decided to, yeah, they changed their practices. So that was a really good outcome. Yeah, that must have been yeah. an amazing feeling. To yeah, yeah, but I, I'm, it wasn't because of our petition, um, but I think that it was everything, you know, the, the, the media took hold of this and right. people, people were just outraged. Yeah. You know, that, it, that you could 
burn, you know, just burn clothes like yeah. that. It's so just, it hits so many different levels, doesn't it, as yeah. far as like unnecessary production and then emissions into the sky, literally burning yeah. something. As far as burning our future goes, it's yeah. about as inflammatory as it gets. Yeah, it's just, just, just disgraceful. And not only that, it's, it's a real systemic issue in the fashion world because right. they create too many clothes. Yeah. And you would think that today they would have processes in place that doesn't allow to have so much wastage at yeah. the end of a season. Yeah. And, um, but the fast fashion industry, and I know that Burberry is at the top end of the scale, but, um, but the entire fashion industry uh, lives on these, you know, cycles and fast fashion is even, is, is like something like 400 fashion cycles a week. A minute. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's so crazy. weird because I, I mean, I, I appreciate fashion as an art form. But I don't understand the just like the need to have something just for having sake. Like I understand the aesthetic skill of putting an ensemble together, for example. But so I'm very much an outsider looking into the fashion industry, and so it's weird to think about fast fashion and this wild overproduction, overconsumption. But it seems like the pinnacle of fashion is about exclusivity. So I agree with you. Like I feel like the fashion companies that take themselves seriously would be priding themselves on only producing a limited number of a limited range yeah and then you get it and it's worth what it's worth because it's one of only a number yeah as opposed to just like here's all of these we want as many people to buy it as possible yeah but then that's the thing that they're afraid of is like okay if we just give all this clothing away it's going to cheapen our brand image so it seems like the most counterintuitive yeah thing yeah, yeah it is and and the fashion industry struggles from both ends of the scale yeah. with this. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as consumers, we have a very big uh, part to play in, in, in all of this because mm -hmm. as consumers, it's what we buy. And and if we, you know, depending on which end of the, the scale you're at, but, um, but if you're talking about, say, fast fashion, um, Fast fashion keeps getting produced because consumers want it. Yeah. And and if that was left on the shelf, then um, they would make that product more expensive. And yeah. so, um, so and and the thing about fast fashion is that you don't care. Like, what does it matter if you bought something for ten bucks and you spilt? tomato sauce on it mm. who cares you just chuck it in the bin mm. and get another one yeah the value our value is just entirely dictated by economics rather than i yeah. know the physical like what yeah. it actually is what what utility it's offering to yeah, you and how it's right. helping your life yeah it seems to be where value should be defined as opposed to just what your bank balance looks like yeah. after you've tapped it yeah that's right i think there's something also curious about fast fashion or about um, women in particular when it comes to fashion we constantly we constantly say things like oh did you like I just bought this it was such a bargain it was only 10 bucks or I just bought myself a new pair of boots it was only 50 bucks we have this tendency to it's almost a guilt thing where you say look what I bought and then you say 
but don't worry, it was only it was only fifteen dollars. Yeah, it's full um, caveat. Yeah, it's a real um, you know. So so we have this big part to play in the whole uh, sustainable fashion. Um, yeah, process definitely as well as the manufacturers. So, and you know, and then then you you say so the message that we push is to buy less and to buy quality mm. and let that quality last. Mm. And then that gets blown out of the water because you support quality and then these big brands who produce so much more go and burn <laughs> their clothes. So it is, you, we wrestle with different messages and emotions all the time at One Me and Women because we're learning these things as we go along. Yeah, that's it. It's the most fractured time to be dealing with all of these contentious issues because there's so much learning by doing. We're right at this point yeah. it's like it's for me the equivalent is people smoking cigarettes in you know the 50s 60s 70s whatever before the long-term effects and the science was documented and i feel like overconsumption and packaged objects in particular are going to basically be the smoking of the future where it's like oh well we just didn't know but yeah. now we do and so we're sort of trying to learn as we go and everyone also feels a bit guilty about all the stuff they've done in the past so there's these weird elements of denial that come into it and no yeah. one really wants to be pointing fingers or having a finger pointed at them so yeah, yeah. it's just it's a hard there is yeah. a lot of just like different opinions and different stuff yeah yeah angles. and it is this um like we denial is definitely a place that we say do not go to and don't stay in it if you're there yeah just get out of that place yeah. really quickly because denial or despair or guilt you know guilt about what i haven't done or what i didn't do or um, we just we just say don't even go there. Mm. Know what you have to do and think about what you're doing right now because mm. that's all that matters. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I read a quote the other day. I think it was a Buddhist quote, but it's what you see is all there is. Yeah. And it, that for me that encapsulates exactly what you're talking about, which yeah. is just being present, thinking, okay, right now there's no point in being depressed, being fearful of the past, or being anxious, being fearful of the future. Yeah. It's about right now and what you can do right now. Right now. And I think, um, look, I've just come back from a week in Brisbane with the uh, Climate Reality Project, which is this project that um, Al Gore puts puts on. And yeah, I, think I, I saw that on your Instagram. You met Al Gore. Yeah, I was on Amazing. A, I was, well, I met him a while ago, but um, but I was on a panel. He, he was asking, I was on a panel where he was asking questions, which was nice, and was talking about one million women. And, um, um, but sorry, I've, now I've lost my train of thought oh, why sorry, I was going I didn't mean there. To no, no, but <laughs> I was going there for a specific reason. Oh, oh yeah, I know. Sorry. No, you're right. I was, um, so, and all we did talk about last week was about where we're at when it comes to climate change. Mm. And so it is important not to be fearful of the future. But it is also important to know that if we don't change things now, we are going to be fearful of the future. Mm. And we are going to, the future isn't going to look rosy. It'll be worth fearing. Yeah, so, so it's, it's that juggling act that we have to have right now with our own emotions mm. about knowing that we are powerful, knowing that everything we do matters, 
knowing that as individuals um, we are part of this collective so when we do something and millions and millions and millions of us are doing the same thing it does shift systems and knowing that we can't take our foot off the accelerator because we need to act um, in every aspect of society so um, so governments need to act and politicians mm -hmm. Um, we need to find leaders in, in our politicians and we cities need to act and communities need to act and households need to act and individuals need to act and we all need to act in, in whatever capacity we can. Mm -hmm. And so as individuals, it is through how we live, through every dollar we spend, every choice we make, because that's that shapes the world and if enough of us are doing the same thing which is all about living with the least impact on the planet it it will make a difference mm -hmm. we just need more of us yeah. to be doing it because we are really we've really gone past the 11th hour when it comes to climate yeah. change but you've raised such an interesting i mean I, i'm fascinated i mean i admit like i am fearful of climate change but i know that about it and i know that about myself that fear is basically going to put me in a, in a fight or flight or freeze response and that's not going to be helpful to making a good decision about my behavior so I'm sort of yeah. wary of it but you're so right it's this really really precarious line of we are past the 11th hour yeah. the future is worthy of being fearful but if we're afraid we're going to make bad decisions or maybe just not do anything different so it's such a deal like yeah. it fascinates me from a psychological perspective because everyone is interpreting it in their own way and it is yeah. very much like a self-expression is how much impact are you living with? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's this thing that you, um, because if you either, if you're in denial that anything's happening um, or if you're in despair, then you miss the piece in the middle, which is about action. Mm. So we can't be in denial and we can't go all the way over here to despair. We have to stop right here in the middle and just go, right, we have to act and we all have to act and in whatever way we can. And so so there's still a lot of people over here in despair, in denial mm -hmm. and there's a lot of people that have gone all the way over to despair. Yeah. And um, I think you can get to despair through the back door from denial as well. Yeah. Like that, those yeah. things are pretty closely, they're side by side. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so we just, and that's why at One Million Women we just, we try our narrative or the way we communicate is always about empowerment mm. and motivation and, and mobilization mm -hmm. that because what else is there yeah yep. you know so we don't go to the other places we just and, and but but we're honest you yeah. know this is this these are the facts and uh, so we are kind of honest with where where things are at but we we um, we try to keep giving you solutions with 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 how to move forward on that. Mm. Yeah, I found that like a beautifully recurring theme in your book is that level of honesty and the empowerment comes from being in the now and because all the power you have is all that you can do now. You don't have any more power than the stuff you can do right now. But yeah. I also love that. You were so forthcoming with your history in the cosmetics industry, yeah. and you, you had your nose so deep in in one of the most you know, environmentally offensive industries, but you had the wherewithal and the gumption to go, well, this isn't good. I'm going to back yeah. right out of this and also tell people about it. I'm not going to pretend I wasn't a part of it because that's, you know, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, yeah. but that seems to be 
it seemed to be your attitude in it, yeah. which was I, I find is the most important part of navigating the denial despair um, yeah. you know, paradigm is making sure that you are transparent about your past, not yeah. pretending that you you're above it or not pretending you've always been doing this and that's above other people. It's just like that is what it is or was what it was, and now we're here and. This is now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly, because everybody has a journey that they have to, you know, go through. And that just, that's been mine. And um, and I had no idea that what I did made a difference. Yeah. You know, no idea at all. Yeah. Um, so it was a, it was a really... Um, know what the word is but it was an interesting time when I had my epiphany because I when you have been doing something one way for so long and then you realize wow that that wasn't right that wasn't right that yeah yeah and when you realize that it is it's it, it is um you know you've got to it's it's you've got to get yourself outside of that structure that framework that you've created for yourself mm. Um, and 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 find a new one. So yeah, it was um, it was interesting. I don't know if it was hard to let go of my cosmetic um, manufacturing hat. It was just a, it, it was it was just an interesting process to to go through. Yeah, yeah. you're really stepping outside yourself and your yeah. world and looking at it laterally and going, oh, actually, these are the this is the data. And yeah, it's, it's not good. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's really hard to be honest about yourself with that stuff. Yeah, it is. Because it's so much easier just to exemplify yourself. Well, it's like, no, nah, it's not my issue. And it's easier to um, it's easier to justify why you do something. I think humanity in general, or humans, have this. We have this ability to justify the things that we do mm-hmm. and to make it easier for us you know, while we're doing them. And, um, and I think that there was just nowhere else for me to go. I couldn't justify it any longer. Yeah. And um, yeah, I don't know what the things that I was thinking, but I was a small cosmetics manufacturer and so I had Target and Big W and Kmart and all these big fast chains um, that I that was my livelihood and so I would justify why I did something in layers and layers of packaging because it's what got me a half a million dollar order from 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 Target and that put food on the table and and even though I didn't agree with it. Yeah, I had to do it. So it's all those things that you just justify why you do something one way. Totally. Um, but I just couldn't do that any longer. Yeah, it gets yeah. to a point where you either fess up to yourself that you've exhausted all of these excuses because yeah. you can fetch them from anywhere. I mean, you've, you've got kids and you've got obligations and we've all got stuff that like these things that can tether us to our current behaviour that we can use as these excuses why we can't break out of our unsustainable habits. Yeah. But eventually you hit this dead end where you've, you've exhausted all of those. You know that you're telling yourself porky pies about why you can't do things and you either at that point 
dig a hole and put your head in the sand and think, oh, well, I'm not, I just don't want to think about it anymore. Yeah. Or you turn around and you start looking at those things and you go, actually, I, I definitely can do something about that. I'll probably do something about yeah. that. And you just start turning stones over one by one and committing yourself and being honest. But yeah, yeah. it's hard. Yeah. People find that really hard. Well, the thing that I found surprising when I started One Me and Women was how bloody hard it is to change the way you live. And because I had, I'd had this epiphany back in 2006 and I, I changed how I lived, I just thought that everybody, once I finally started One Me and Women, I just thought I'd be at a million women by the end of, by, in six months. Mm. Because I just thought, this is so easy. Everyone will want to be part of it. And then I realized it's actually really hard to change how you live. Because that framework that I was talking about for me, there is this big framework of society and it's a high consumption society and we all in affluent communities we all live within this this particular structure yeah and so it's not just one person getting outside of the structure it's everybody getting outside of the structure yeah or creating a new one yeah and um and so it is really hard to change the way you live and and that took me by surprise yeah. when i started one me and women because i thought everyone will be joining in droves yeah it seems so obvious to you yeah. and you've reached these conclusions that you've probably thought about for years maybe even subconsciously but you've arrived at them so resolutely and then you isn't that a crazy level of panic i feel like i haven't started a charity let alone a really successful one to be able to compare but i have had my own epiphany and i think anyone who is you know clued into the urgency of our climate yeah. crisis has had their own epiphany and after that point it's like it's quite a, i found it quite a weird flavor of panic because you're looking around and you've arrived at these conclusions and you're thinking okay why is everyone so calm? How come, why are you not, yeah. like, why are we all not, what, 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 where's the miscommunication? Because you feel like your own conclusions are so black and white and yeah. people, yeah, it's hard to fathom that people deny them still, but I think it is that camp of denial which people just yeah. choose to sit in. We, One Million Women is 10 years old now and I... Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, I saw I some Instagram uh, stuff and yeah. And we congrats. did this, that big event. Yeah, did yeah, you yeah. go? I didn't. Oh. I was away for it. But Georgia did actually. And ah. she said she saw all your family there. And yeah, that was yeah, it was really lovely. Yeah. We had Midnight Sounded Oil play. And, oh, wow, cool. Yeah. So they were amazing. And it was such a joyous occasion. And it's almost like saying um, that that is our tribe mm. everybody in that room there was two and a half thousand people and 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 it was a week after the election and so it was a pretty um crazy moment in time because none of us thought that the election would go that way mm. and 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 there we were all in the room but 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 i digress because what what i was going to say is that in, t in the last 10 years, I have really seen community consciousness in this accelerate at a, at a, at a level that I, once I realised that I, it wasn't, I wasn't going to get a million people, a million women in six months, um, I then realised, I then started to appreciate how to grow a movement, because mm. I didn't even know how to do that mm. back then. But, and, and so now looking back, it, people 
so many more people get the point on this now. When I started One Million Women, I had to explain, I had to explain climate change, number one, and number two, that how we live matters. Whereas I explain that less and less because people, this is now personal. This is really personal. It is, it is plastics in the ocean we love. It is the Great Barrier Reef dying before our eyes. It is, you know, food in landfill getting choked because we've, you know, got too much of it. And there's, you know, it's a very personal story now for each of us. And I think that um, that makes um, that makes this easier to to sell if that that's the wrong word. No, I know but, what you mean. But but people now get it. Everyone's resonating in some capacity. In some way. Yeah. And even if they don't actually understand that the plastics in the ocean is still climate change because it is it is the energy and plastic is from oil and and all of that goes into our friend. food source. You'll consume it at the end of the day if you want to keep denying it. Yeah. Like the microplastics in the ocean entering our waterways and our fish and everything. Yeah. I mean, it's in all of our bodies now. It's, That's right. It's undeniable. And so, and so, this story has become so much bigger than ten years ago, where we were talking about climate change and the complexities of climate change and the overwhelming layers of climate change that people just thought. Okay, this, this is, is somebody else. Yeah, let yeah. let the scientists and the politicians do that. We'll just keep living our lives. You know, it's it's our health, it's our well being, and so the story, um, I guess, sadly, has become incredibly personal for mm-hmm. each and every one of one of us. But on the the, the positive. It means that we, so many of us, are now more involved. Yeah. You know, and um, we want to, we we want to clean up our oceans, and um, yeah, we we want to um, uh, enjoy this beautiful earth, and I think that has hit home. Yeah. So it makes it, you know more. I know we still need a lot more people. But more and more people are engaged on this issue than ever before. Yeah, this. Yeah, I agree. It for, it really represents gut feelings. Everyone yeah. knows what a gut feeling is, and climate change just gives you that pain so deep. And that's, I think, the resonance that everyone feels to some degree. And it's yeah. when that gets loud enough or painful enough that you realise that you're either living hypocritically or you're just not attending to the urgency with the required yeah. level of commitment. Yeah, that's right. So actually, because I, sorry if you don't want to talk about it, but because you raised it, the, the election, I mean, it's yeah. not exactly a fun topic to discuss. So I'm really interested to know what advice you've got, what words do you have for environmentalists who feel totally disenfranchised? Like, what did you say at that celebration? Well, um, that's a real elephant in the room, I would have imagined. Yeah, well, it wasn't because we, we, um, we decide, I don't know, Paul Gilding, who is a really dear friend of mine, who's this global thought leader on climate change. He was one of our speakers and he said something so beautiful. And he just, and I mean, the way he said it was beautiful, it was just, but basically it was that, you know, elections come and go and we have been here before. And that, that 
we just have to rise above politics and we just have to it is the power of the people and that um, that you know we're always waiting for somebody else or we're waiting for the person to lead us when that leader is us mm. ourselves mm. and and I think that um, his words really hit home that that is that is definitely we just have to rise above politics and one me and women has always done that when we um, in our launch video I say and that's 10 years ago I say while you know the politicians around the world are arguing about the, the point on climate change we're just rising something like that we're just rising but just getting on with it yeah and I think that we've got to you know yes we've got to grieve and we we've done that that was the day after the election mm -hmm. and then you've just got to pick yourself up and you've just got to get on with it yeah and and because um every oh, and you you mentioned before to the environmentalists well the thing is it's to all of us you know right. we are all um we are all environmentalists we are all um yeah it is it, it's very much a different i think when I started One Million Women, it were it was still the environmentalists and us. Yeah, it was a, it was two different groups. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Everyone's an environmentalist. It's whether you know it yet or not. Or it's not. whether you've woken up or not. Exactly. You will one day. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that's a good point. And I think that what's happening today is things like whether it's one me and women who we've never ever seen ourselves as an environmental organization. We're just a bunch of women from all walks of life, mm -hmm. from across all diff different ages. We're from 198 countries. Wow. And you know, we're, we're almost a million women now, like we're 900,000. You could say a million women just me now. I'll, I'll let you know <laughs> that for sure. But, <laughs> we're a million um, women strong, it's amazing. And, and so, um, but we're just, Women. When I started One Million Women, I didn't even know who WWF were. Yeah. And so right. it's just, so I've never, and because of that, because I've never actually come from a, an environmental background, One Million Women, we just don't see ourselves. We're just women. And um, and that is what's happening in, in so many different avenues today, which yeah. I find really exciting. Like you've got Extinction Rebellion, which is this, so this, cool. and it's just people, people from all walks of life joining yeah. forces for this passive chaos. Um, there's the, the, the climate, the, the, the school strikes. Mm. There's school kids from all around the world. Yeah. They don't belong to any environmental organization. They're just school kids. Just human beings yeah. just leading their own revolution. That's right. Yeah. And that I think what you just said is 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 what it is. I think what is going to happen now, I hope, is this acceleration of people just leading their own revolutions yeah. everywhere. And that is much harder for politicians who are not leading on this to say um, it's much harder to control. Mm. Because when it was the Greenies and it was all just the, 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 the environmental movement, um, which they could label as 
that's just the greenies. Yeah, yeah. That's not what mainstream Target people are saying. Yeah. Um, they could control that. But now it is just people are rising up everywhere and and that is this disruptive chaos that we need. Mm. I really believe that. Yeah. And I think it's happening. And in whatever capacity, I think it's happening. Yeah. That reassures me to hear that because I feel very much that's all I've been doing. I mean, that's how I started podcasting and doing all sorts of different yeah. things is just having that moment and going, okay, well, I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm just going to yeah. start in my own world, just yeah, do the things exactly. that I can do and then just go from there. And it does, it snowballs and you never know. Like That's the name that we've given this podcast is the ripple effect. Yeah. It's because you never know how far your actions are going to go and you never know who you're going to influence just by doing yeah. you, just yeah. doing you and someone might be watching or you know that 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 ripple effect is really something that's what we have on my our, our new app oh really yeah oh, the cool. ripple effect yeah because that is what it is what's it the is a, tell me about the app uh, the app um we've been working on it for four years and um it's not launched yet although it it's kind of launched <laughs> but it's um it's still in beta phase so it's actually um we're launching it in a couple of weeks time but this one is the ripple effect where um, my activities when I share the app with others and when they share it with others it's this ripple effect um, but it, the app is so that's actually a map that you've just shown me that literally has rings around it concentric circles like a ripple yeah that's awesome that's awesome and then the other thing too is this is real-time data and what it that's someone who's just joined, even though when we haven't launched it yet, we've still got this many people on it because we're, um, we just put it on the the, um, the app store just so we could start utilising it. But this is how many people are acting right now. And every day we do a whole series of actions and you choose an action. Oh, cool. um, and then these are the actions that you're doing. That's so great because it quantifies yeah. the collective... Action. It does. So this one, at the moment, 285 people are doing it, and this is where in the world they're doing it. That's This is awesome. Yeah. It's so good to just collate that data and, and dispose of that level of disenfranchisement that people feel that, oh, I'm just one person, I can't really do yeah. much. It's when you can contribute to some sort of measurable collective outcome. Yeah. The the feels, all the feels, it's so much better when you just, you're just you aware that you're contributing to something meaningful. Yeah. And you've got like a large measurable outcome yeah yeah that's, that's right awesome. yeah that is um and that is the philosophy behind one million women it always has been it is this thing of if you can show the collective impact of what we're doing it will um it will help it will propel you on to the next thing and the next thing yeah and and because behavior it changes is so hard to stick that we, our strategy is that um, if we show, if we show, oh, sorry, that's, oh, that's my son. Right. <laughs> I'll just turn that off. Sorry. No, you're right. But, um. Actually, that, you know what? The first time I started doing these podcasts, I was so nervous and I left my own phone on and it rang during my own podcast oh, and it no. was horrendously embarrassing. <laughs> so <laughs> My, um. Oh, you, I mean, you can get, if it's your son and it's important, feel free to... Oh, no, it's, it's right. fine. It's back. fine. I'll come back and we won't be much longer. No, no, no. no, 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 no. Yeah. Um, so, 
Um, I love that message. Yeah. Because it makes, when you've got a collective outcome that you can attribute your own actions towards, it makes the individual action undeniable. Yeah. And currently that's sort of where the speed bump is, where people don't feel like yeah. they're making an impact. That's right. And and so, and then our other piece of the strategy is that we make our actions just small. And we, we say that if you act like, if you're not on this journey yet, if you haven't changed how you live yet, and, and, we, and, and this is every aspect of your life from, from um, food waste to the food that you eat um, to the electricity that you use, um, the plastics in your life through to how you get from A to B with the least impact on the planet from where your money is and you should be investing and um, divesting divesting from banks and institutions that invest in fossil fuels and 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 uh, fashion over consumption all those things are the things that we focus on but we also focus on using your voice and using your vote and um, but we go if you do a small action and you see this result, this quick result, like when I had my epiphany, I got our household electricity consumption down by 20%, which I'm sure you read I in did, the book. I did, really <laughs> story, it's great. Um, but, um, but it was this quick result. I saw the bill and I went, wow, I just saved all this money, Straight but up. I've saved this pollution too, because it was on the bill. And so it's a quick win. Yeah. And then you go, wow, what can I do next? And that um, buzz, that is empowerment, yeah, right? Like that's that is, right there, yeah. It, action is the quickest path to empowerment. Yeah. It's just the small things the and small feeling thing that, that, ah, I can do this. Yeah. I can make change happen. And so that is, so nothing else actually changed the way I lived. It, nothing else. It didn't matter what I read. It didn't matter, um, it, you know, trying to get through all this information about climate science it was getting my electricity bill down and and so and then getting our food household food waste down and then taking a breath before I bought something and and so all those things were these little actions that then propelled me onto the next thing and the next thing and that's that is the way that we work at One Mean Women I, it d doesn't work for everybody but that is that's that's the way that we focus on um, to help you to profoundly change the way you live because it isn't good enough to change something in your life and then let that go a few months later which is is you know one of the things with when you're trying to change how you live you do fall off the wagon a few times yeah. and you got to get back on, you've got to keep doing it, and you've got to get back on. And then when you've done one thing, you've got to think, what can I do next and next and next? Because we have to all get there. Yeah, you can't and take your foot off that gas. You can't. You I, that was one of my favourite phrases that you used in the book. I think you called it gratuitous behaviour change. Yeah. By trying to do too much too quickly, yeah. being a big trap. Because yeah. you, you do have a, you have a moment and then you think, oh, my God, I need to do all this stuff. Yeah. But if you flood yourself with too many things too many contradictions to habits that you might have had for 20 years yeah no one can really do that all at once it's too it's too much and yeah. that's the quickest way to fall off the wagon is biting taking too big of a bite and you yeah. can't chew that's right yeah. yeah or or doing it yeah too quickly going i mean that's exactly right yeah that's just what you said yeah 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 so and and because it profound change um 
Well, one thing that I talk about with profound change, and, and, and it's the theme of our 10-year anniversary celebrations because our events are called Love Earth. Mm. And um, our Sydney event was the Love Earth Festival. And, I, and I, I have a whole chapter in the book on it, but I, I, I really believe that for every one of us to truly and honestly change how we live and to make that stick and to do it with more ease than, than, than um, well, to do it with ease, is that you have to fall madly and deeply in love with the earth and you have to love it like you do your family and your friends. And I say this a lot at, when I'm doing, you know, when I'm speaking um, speaking at an event. And because if you articulate climate change just up here and you really, you, 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 you think about it, you know it, but it's all on this level, um, it is still a lot harder to take that into your way of life because there are things you have to compromise on when you when you change how you live. You, know, you have to put public transport at the top of your list as opposed to at the bottom and that was a hard one for me and and you have to say no to things and 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 so but when when you feel it in your heart, so when you um, when you when it's traveled from your head to your heart and you can you absolutely feel it in your heart that everything you do shapes the world and and you have this deep love of our earth it is so much easier to change the way you live yeah and be happy about it yeah because you know, in in our in affluent societies, we are told that um, more stuff makes us happy, and we just think that, and so we're always dissatisfied. I want that. I need that. I've got this now, but I need a bigger one. Or and and so we are always dissatisfied because we we want for so much, and we think that the more we have, the happier we'll be when it's just not true. Yeah. And happiness comes from this less is more way of life, I think, but um, it comes from this rich relationship with our earth and our loved ones. Yeah. yeah. That was, I think, I know you're a busy lady, so I should probably let you go, but that's such a beautiful sentiment to finish on because that really struck a chord in my heart because it's definitely something I've experienced. It makes that makes that transition to a low impact life so easy when you've got this common denominator of love from the earth and it makes yeah. your decision making so simple it's a beautifully liberating thing yeah and such a simple thing that fall in love with the earth because you fight for what you love simple as simple yeah, yeah. i yeah. loved it yeah i know it is a beautiful and it's just yeah this relationship with the earth so if you love swimming in the ocean then what about all those one-use takeaway plastics that you use or um, if you love sitting under a tree and having a picnic what about the food waste mm. that ends up under that tree in mm. landfill and and so and I know and and for so many years I took from the earth and thinking that I was, and, and loving that, loving swimming in the ocean and lying on the beach and walking through a rainforest and 
smelling the the sweet air and feeling the cold mulch between my toes, all of that stuff. And I loved all of that, but I was just taking it all and taking it all without actually giving back. And that's when you realize that that is the way it is with the earth. You have to, you, you it's like any relationship. You just have to give and take. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Well, that's a beautiful thing to finish on. Nat, thanks so much for your time. My and um, I feel like I could sit here picking your brains for hours and hours. Oh, so no. I really appreciate what you've uh, sat down and told us. Oh, and, no, um, I hope, that's, I hope that's everything you you need. It's definitely not. There, Everything I need would take about a year, I think, oh. to extract from your brain. But it's plenty for now, so it's plenty all good. Okay. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you. My pleasure. That was awesome. Tell me this. Can you, just through the audio, feel how much power... Nat Isaacs has. What a crazy, powerful character to share space with. I got so much out of that conversation. I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you could feel that lady's sheer gravitas just through the audio. Because I tell you, sharing a room, the amount of strength and positivity radiating out of that human being was staggering. I'll tell you my favorite thing about Nat as well. Nat exemplifies being just an ordinary, everyday person who suddenly just snaps and thinks, hold on, that's not right, and then basically hits that invisible wall, doesn't about turn 180 degrees, and starts walking in the opposite direction. And then 11 years later, she's got a 10-year-old charity doing amazing things for women and people all over the planet and the planet itself. What a crazy asset to Team Human Nat Isaacs is. I hope you liked it. And if you did like that conversation, can you like it as in on a social media platform and share it and comment and subscribe? And if you've got the time and you're getting something out of this, we would really appreciate if you gave us a review on iTunes. Because at the end of the day, all we're trying to do here at The Ripple Effect is the ripple effect. We're just trying to push that positive energy out there. So if you got something out of this conversation, chances are someone you know might as well. So tell them about it. That would be much appreciated because the more people that are part of this conversation, the better. Next episode is with Kiralee Dawn, another extremely powerful human being to share space with who started an organization called Indigenous Doulas. And if you don't know what well, hopefully you know what the first word means. If you don't know what a doula is, though, don't feel bad because neither did I until I talked to Kiralee. It was a fascinating conversation. I will give you a hint. Doula more or less means birth partner, a non-medical midwife. I don't like using the word midwife after the conversation with Kiralee. You'll have to tune in to figure out why, but it was a really, really enlightening chat. So look out for that one in a fortnight's time, and I will look forward to talking to you again then. Peace and love.